Profiles and Strategy, a podcast series of talks by the U.S. Naval War College Strategy and Policy Department. I'm your host, Lieutenant Colonel John O'Gorman, United States Marine Corps. The views expressed herein do not necessarily represent the views of the Naval War College or the United States. All right. Hello and welcome, everyone, to Profiles and Strategy. This is episode number 34. Uh, title of the episode is our, our CNO Fellows with uh, Admiral Barrera. I'm uh, Lieutenant Colonel John O'Gorman, United States Marine Corps, your host. Um, joining me this morning, I, um, uh, a distinguished colleague from the, the United States Naval War College, uh, one of our Chief of Naval Operations Fellows, Admiral Guillermo Barrera. Welcome, Admiral. Thank you so much, Johnny. So it was a pleasure talking to you, going to your seminars, learning <laughs> from you, and learning from other professors in the World College that make a tremendous job preparing the next generation of war fighters. Uh, muchas gracias, Admiral. And then, <laughs> um, so as, a, as an introduction, uh, Admiral Barrera is the former Chief of Naval Operations of the Colombian Navy. He is a former graduate of the Naval War College as a younger naval officer. And then after he um, uh, ascended to the, the rank of a uh, flag, flag officer, uh, Admiral and Chief of Naval Operations for Colombia, uh, he was asked to come and to serve here as a, as a senior mentor. Um, to uh, to officers going through the, the the Naval War College is that a is that an accurate description, sir? Absolutely. All right, great. So, and um, as as we do this, it, it it'll help to establish some some background uh, in terms of uh, in terms of what um, thinking about strategy and learning about strategy meant to your. Uh, to your career uh, as a uh, as a naval officer, sir. So, uh, could you tell us, um, as a as a lead-in question, before you became an admiral, about the uh, the majority of your time as a naval officer in Colombia? Well, first of all, uh, I would say, as a captain, I had three very important positions that I now looking backwards helped me a lot. The first one was for one year, I was the flag secretary for the commander of the Colombian Navy. So I was working with all the paperwork and directing things that were important for the CNO or for other army as part of the organization. And the, the second one was commander of the Coast Guard. So I was also commander, just like Admiral Sarnes, I was the commander of the Coast Guard of Colombia. And then I became J5. J5 is the uh, planning, sir. No, actually, is integrated action. Ah. The general command of the military forces. So I was the guy in charge of integrating all the military operations together with civilian organizations, NGOs, IGOs, etc national and international. And that was a, a little bit of change that happened in the organization of the command through the process of updating the military forces after the losses that we had back in the uh, 1996 to 1998. 
and help us to be ready for success when President Uribe became the president in 2002. Mm -hmm. So under, under those conditions, where I spend most of the, my time, so I was trying to measure in something that I use when I work with the leadership analytics. So in innovation, I spend 9% of my time operations, 10% messaging, 20%, learning, 28%, physical fitness, 4%. And I think that I'm very generous saying 4%. <laughs> and 29% with people. Mm -hmm. People were the general public, the military forces, the police forces, the security forces of the country, and my family. And I have to recognize that I did not spend enough time with my family. Mm -hmm. And now, after the years, they regret it. Mm -hmm. And this is something that uh, we all military have to learn, that uh, we have to dedicate to our families because at the end, we are with our spouses are those who take control of our children to teach them how to be successful and being not only successful, but also ethical in their activities. Mm. So that was it, around 28% in touching with the, uh, with the public, with the, the people in general. Mm -hmm. Wow. That, that's a, a interesting backstory, Admiral. Could could you also tell us, sir, about um, your uh, your experience at the at the War College as a student? Well, uh, I remember I have heard many foreign stars coming in these ten years, almost twelve years to the War College, addressing the students when they are graduates of the War College. They always say, "Hey, this was a very special year." Mm -hmm. I remember a few years ago, Admiral Rogers, U.S. Navy, he was addressing the students in convocation and he said, if you want, that condition is very important. If you want, this could be a changing year in your careers. And uh, well, for many, it was a changing life experience. Thanks to the patient, thanks to the passion of our professors in teaching. That was fantastic. The importance of those people that were dedicated and were working all the time to make us capable of making right decisions. Many, many great experiences here in the World College. The first of all, critical thinking. Friends that had been friends for 30 years or more. Mm -hmm and learning about the United States, those FSPs that were fantastic. Yeah. And uh, what else? Uh, well, my books. I always carry my books everywhere I go. That is a very important type, type of the assets that I acquired here in the World College. Yeah. Um, probably one anecdote for each one of the uh, main areas of teaching in NSA, I study negotiations with a tiny little book, the Harvard method called Getting to Yes. And from that later on, when I was already an admiral, I realized that it's important that generals and admirals have to be negotiators and communicators, by the way. In JMO, well, 
I learned something very important that my life and experience in Colombia proved, and is that everything today is joint, transnational, and is interagency. A lot of them in the gray zone, because they explode conflicts in the gray zone. They explode those gray areas that are vacuums or vacuums in the international law. And for SMP, now I have to answer the, the question on the Sicilian expedition. <laughs> I was my first paper. And coming back to the World College probably five years ago, I changed my answer to that question. Ah. <laughs> because I started asking a different question that I have never asked before. What is the contribution to the end state? Because if there is no contribution to the state, you could be wasting resources and wasting even precious lives. So that has to be always a consideration. And for that reason, I changed my, my answer, but this is a continuous education. So it's something that I started 30 years ago when I was a student here. By the way, we will celebrate 30 years of our graduation, the class of 93, this coming summer. Um, and uh, that was amazing. So. But this is a continuous education. It started 30 years ago. And when I came back to the World College, well, I improved it during the time that I was uh, in the duty. And afterwards here in the World College, because in, in the World College, we start by asking questions. Mm. That is quite important. And uh, one important thing is I learned the need to have close to me the masters and the critical thinkers mm. from all areas. I don't know if that answers your question. Oh, absolutely, Admiral. Thank you. So that that study of strategy, um, uh, I'm, I'm assuming, served uh, served you well. And for our listeners and students that might not know, uh, when you went back to your country and eventually became the chief of naval operations, this was during the um, uh, time when Colombia was facing uh, the insurgency from the FARC. Rebels. So, could you tell us a little bit about your time as the the, the chief of naval operations for Colombia, Admiral? Yeah, thank you. At that time, we were shifting. That was a fantastic thing because, as uh, uh, Professor Payne was telling me the other day, FARC was on the lead, and the government was on the run mm. for almost thirty years, and then President Uribe came into the country and he brought a grand strategy that changed everything. So from the strategic offensive, they went to a strategic defensive in just a few months in 2002 and three. That was a, a fantastic thing that uh, is an experience that I try to give to the students in the lectures that I give to SMP and uh, SNW, but also in GMO. When I had the chance a few years ago, probably I will start again giving my lecture about operations for the Colombian case. Mm. So uh, being uh, the commander of the Colombian Navy was a tremendous honor and responsibility. Great achievements during those years, but also I saw many, many shipmates lost their lives in mm. combat. In 2006, as I was already mentioning, the FARC was already in the strategic defensive when I became the CNO. Mm -hmm. At the end of my four years in 2010, 
the country was a different country. It was more peaceful, but still have a long way to go because this is a, pro, a protracted conflict. So we we had to learn to to work with that. That it, there was not going to be a quick, decisive victory. Never. So I learned to live with my people, to live with the people of the country, their success, their challenges, and their sufferings. I remember one operation that was a joint, the first rescue joint operation that happened in Colombia and very successful. The commander was a, a, the commander of the, the Caribbean force, a rear admiral at that time, that later on became the CNO2. And uh, that was the first rescue of, of operation, of su successful operation of uh, critical, very important hostages that mm. part had in special conditions. That was uh, Fernando, uh, a former minister of uh, uh, two presidents. He was minister of two presidents and he was kidnapped by FARC at the beginning of the 2000s. Mm -hmm. uh, in an operation in 2006, in December 2006, he ran away from FARC and five days, days later, he got in touch with a Marine platoon and, and he became the first person who ran away from FARC and be successful in being rescued. Fernando Araujo, former minister. That was a great operation. That was the first one successful and it was joint. Hmm. But many times I was touching the sadness of the people that were lost their loved ones. And I was wondering myself, could I have done better to protect their lives? Mm. I was always there. Mm. Many of the things that were very important in those years, providing guidance. And it's something that we have to learn, commanders, that we have to be continuously giving guidance to our subordinates and cooperators at the horizontal level. And of course, adv advising at the higher levels and communicating, that was a very important factor, communicating. In 2007, I started uh, writing a, a monthly letter that later were published in a book, the um, letters of the commander. Mentoring, coaching, those are very important factors. Mm -hmm. And of course, learning to use the white space to ponder in solitude all information available, to prepare advice, and to make decisions and to follow them. So it's also a, a time of learning experiences. Oh, th thank you for sharing, Admiral. Um, you, you've mentioned a lot of the, the the terms that we talk about, especially in the in the strategy and policy course here, as well as uh, you know. Uh, joint maritime operations and, and national security affairs, but you've mentioned the um, the Maoist how the how the FARC used a, a Maoist approach in terms of the the strategic defensive, the strategic stalemate, and, and strategic offensive. And you also mentioned how um, uh, President Uribe, um, uh, you know, the the, the counter the the, the uh, counterinsurgency strategy in terms of positive leadership and 
trying to take away the legitimate grievances. Um, and seeing as though the, uh, the Columbia example in the lecture that you give is one of our only positive examples of a, of a successful counterinsurgency, we study a lot of, of cases that are, uh, uh, you know, where the insurgents uh, uh, win. Um, but uh, the, the challenges during that time, uh, did, did learning about insurgency here, uh, were you able to directly apply that in in uh, uh, in that in the in the conflict against the the FARC? Oh yes, every every single day. Mm -hmm. I remember that sometimes, and this is something hard because FARC went to second phase by mm. warfare, uh, but uh, we didn't realize about that until a few years later that helped the restructuration of the military forces. Looking at the time as a chief of naval operations, probably the most important challenge that I had at that time together, because this is not something different from the other, is how to effectively advance faster in the restructuration of the Navy and the Marine Corps and win the fight against the threats in a protracted conflict. Of course, we have to understand that statesmen are not military. And uh, we commanders need to understand their environment, the, the uh, statesmen environment to advise correctly. In today's world, you need to be ready to advise before you are asked. Because mm. many times they don't even know what, what is the question. Mm. You have to be ready to advise even before you are asked. And I would say nowadays, you don't have to wait to be asked. You have to provide the advice in the moment that is needed. And of course, it is very important for flags to know the statement's operational environment or the statement's environment to give wise advice. So communicate internally, nationally, internationally, that needs a lot of learning. It's not easy. And building up trust uh, internationally, especially. The BlackBerry was a tremendous instrument in those years. We didn't have WhatsApp like today. It was the BlackBerry. And uh, for example, when the earthquakes in Peru, Chile, and Haiti, in Chile also with a tremendous tsunami in Peru in 2007, Chile in 2010, and Haiti in 2010. We, the CNOs of the continent, got together to communicate and learn how we could supply help before even being asked. So those are tremendous uh, instruments that have to be there. They have to be there. I remember asking uh, uh, um, a fleet commander once, hey, do you know anything about uh, WhatsApp? And he answered, uh, are you kidding? That's my C2. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, that's uh, <laughs> it's amazing how far we've come with, uh, <laughs> with technology. Um, Absolutely. Mm. Um, so, if the um, it sounds like uh, Admiral that you had a very good 
relationship with with President Uribe. It, it, I don't know if you ever faced a challenging situation with a with a, a civilian political leader that that wasn't as um, uh, that the relationship wasn't as strong. Is there any advice that you'd have for our um, uh, our officers in terms of when they do have a challenging relationship in terms of um, civilian leadership in terms of listening and that type of thing? Well, I think that um, when relationships are not easy. There is the moment to find the correct time and talk to the person in closed doors mm. with confidence in which you open all your, your, your mind with uh, rectitude of intention, with, uh, without different things that try to cooperate and work together. And my experience is that every time that something like that happened, that conversation solved the problem forever. Hmm. Wow. Did uh, so in in um. Can you can you talk about uh, your experience now as uh, you know a retired chief of naval operations and working here in terms of uh, you know how how it is being being back at the at the Naval War College and uh, and and this experience. It's a marvelous opportunity been in touch with the professors. When I came 10 years, 12 years ago, some of my professors were still here, still today. Professor Maurer, for example, is one of the professors that was here 30 years ago. Mm -hmm. So it, it, for me, it's always a, a, a building, personal building, um, being in contact with the professors of the US Naval War College, because they are always picking your mind mm -hmm. better. Find alternatives, be ingenious. Uh, and that is what I feel continuously every time that I go to the seminars and work uh, supporting their labor, which is very important. Mm -hmm. The conditions nowadays to be a um, distinguished international professor and distinguished international fellow, which is the title, is first of all being graduate of the NCC or NSC classes, what I call the preparation. And then have been the heads of our navies, which I will call the experience. So preparation and experience should generate knowledge that could be used for the students, as you mentioned, as senior mentors. Mm -hmm. Work in that direction continuously, continuously, because it's a fantastic opportunity to be in touch with the students. Uh, being at the Naval World College helped us international fellows to continue thinking critically in the past, the present, and the future. Distinguished international fellows support all the missions of the college. We have been supporting all deans and all programs. Mm -hmm. My last engagement with JMO, for example, was last fall in a seminar about small wars, discuss, discussing about coin and irregular warfare more in the context of the new JP 3.0 operations published in June 2022, which mm -hmm. is a lot of the uh, aspects compared with the previous five years um, edition. I personally supported an NSA for the international level, for the intermediate level class 
And uh, my intention now that I finished writing a, a document that I had to write to write for the CWAC, I will try to engage once again with the, with them. Strategy and policy. I'm going to all seminars. Now mm -hmm. leadership and ethics. Uh, I teach. I have been teaching three electives. Mm. Leadership with uh, with uh, leadership and ethics. Latin American and the USA. Latin American and the USA. And political warfare, which I will be offering this next year. And uh, of course, my engagement with the students are always constructive and rewarding. Mm -hmm. I support the SIGMI commanders for and fleet staffs for Panamax and uh, ISS, the um, most of the symposiums, the Inter American War Game, which is being executed right now and advising when required. Mm -hmm. And and I can uh, I can definitely attest, um, Admiral. You know, it is uh, uh, nice having a retired flag officer in the classroom, one that you can ask questions to. And because you know how it is when it's uh, when it's your when it's your actual boss or a person you work for, everyone kind of you know clams up when they <laughs> when there's a when there's a flag officer in the room. But one that's that's retired and that's that that's in the senior mentor role, it's easier to ask a question to and to kind of pick your brain about. Um, you know your feelings on things, or or whatever. Is is that why the role here at the college was established? I would say yes, and mm -hmm. uh, it was initially a one-year experiment. Wow, that has been lasted for ten years so far. Before Admiral Neymar Berba, my classmate too, class of '93, Admiral uh, Sarnes. Mm -hmm. Also, with our former Japanese mate, there was fantastic Admiral Takei. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No, that's great. Um, so, it uh, for our, for not just our, our our students, but for our listeners as well. Can you describe the difference of being uh, a junior officer from being a senior officer or a flag officer? Yeah. Well. I see the junior officer a little bit different of how I, I saw the junior officer uh, when I graduated in the War College in 1971. Mm -hmm. I mean, from the Naval Academy in Colombia. Today, junior officers must be experts in technical and tactical matters. But because of the environment is so complex, that junior officer must be prepared to understand the operational environment. They can see consequences and second and third order effects that his or her actions and decisions are could spark. Therefore, they, therefore they need to master the knowledge of their profession. They have to have an updated understanding of the environment. They have to be team builders in their tactical level. They know and support their people. They are leaders. Mm -hmm. They ponder fast when they need and make decisions and execute them real fast. They think in what is the contribution to the superior subjective and of course, the end state, as I was mentioning before. 
So mission command oriented. Nowadays is quite how I define a junior officer. Slug officers bring a lot of experience from the tactical and operational levels. Plus a lifetime learning in the past and in the present, looking into the future and with a lot of critical thinking and innovation. They have a clear and updated understanding of the real environment. From a sailor's perspective, they would say they know things. Admirals and generals are well informed and keep pondering and comparing alternatives. They mitigate the risks for their people, never transfer risk to subordinates. Mm. They lead their people with magnanimity, which is understanding that they are capable of great things and at the same time teaching their people that they are capable of greatness, devotion, and love, and their families is a very important asset for admirals and generals. They are team builders at the operational and strategic levels with ingenuity and sincerity, and their people are producers of effectiveness. Mm. They are very capable of finding windows of opportunities and use them with when they open, maximizing strengths and minimizing weaknesses. They are strategies that know how to put the strategy in simple terms for all audiences, communications and negotiators. That, those are two very important roles for generals and admirals, communicators and negotiators. They decide when they have to decide and do not delay decisions. They bring mavericks that think different and help to find innovative alternatives. They make sure that their people work in a healthy, friendly, and safe environment that promotes personal and team success. Does it make sense? Oh yes, sir, absolutely. Thank you, Admiral. Um, any any um, uh, specific examples you'd like to give us, Admiral, on terms of how uh, your study of, uh, of strategic theory uh, applied during uh, um, your time as uh, just back in the Colombian Navy or as CNO? Yeah, uh, I tell the students when I go to the seminar that probably you remember that, that when I, back, I went back to Colombia, all my books and notes were in Basel. Right. <laughs> it took about six yeah. months to reach to Colombia. Mm. During those six months, I was missing all of them. Mm. I remember when I put a note, I remember where this quote was that was very important for me to reread it again in order to compare with the things that I was living and how to use those interactions with the masters or the case studies to get some ideas to some of problems. Because in your daily work, you don't need to reinvent the wheel. It was already invented. So go to the people that know, the people that have been looking at those things. It is very relevant to see how in the past a similar problem was solved. 
but having in mind that each case is different. Therefore, solutions cannot be transplanted, but they can give different perspectives. I always had my books with me after I received them. And when I go to a, to a new position, I always brought that books, the first thing to my, to my new place. And that was very important. Even something that I regret now, I did a translation to, not a translation, I did um, a summary of Sun Tzu for my, of my tactical commanders when I was commander of the Caribbean force. Wow. And why I regret it? Because it's not the same reading a summary that reading the original. Sometimes you lose the ideas, you lost some information. So it's better to go to the original than just having a summary. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Is that trend, just translation issues, Admiral, or was that more like uh, no, it content? Was, actually, I was using the same book that I uh, was using here in the World College, but in Spanish. It was a mm. fantastic translation. So what I did was make a summary of the whole book into probably 10, 12 pages. Mm -hmm. They were very happy because it was a summary, but it's not the same to read the original that just read uh, summary. Mm. Yeah, that's the the amazing challenge of all of our international uh, officers that they are, have to translate uh, <laughs> the English into their. Uh, I certainly couldn't do the same thing if I was uh, a student in, uh, uh, you know, Colombia. <laughs> My Spanish is not that great. So, <laughs> no, that's great. Thank you, Admiral. Um, so we usually in the latter parts of the podcast talk about contemporary strategic challenges and um, and views going forward. So in in your from your perspective, Admiral, the um, you know contemporary strategic challenges today and um, uh, the biggest ones that we need to kind of be thinking about. I would say that first of all, I am not fully updated on the environment. Mm -hmm. When you retire, you start losing the whole picture. The reason is I don't have access to, uh, to intelligence. Mm -hmm. I would say that the uh, biggest strategic challenge today for the country is to be able to provide the constitutional essential purposes of the state to the people. Like, for example, ensure peace and coexistence, which is Article 2 of the Constitution of Colombia. Mm. This is just one of the tasks in which the armed forces have a mission. But if you look at the environment, narco-traffic is going up. Mm. When I uh, became commander of the Caribbean force, the food production of the region could be 1.4 1.4 to 1.7 metric tons a year. Now it is more than 2.3 tons. Uh -huh. uh, the uh, transnational criminal organizations are continuously improving, changing, creating new illegal businesses, very, very productive. And the armed groups in Colombia are evolving because of the situation, situation they are adapting and uh, therefore the environment has been changing in Colombia. The character of the challenges and threats have been changing too. 
So Colombia needs to adapt faster and design the instruments and tools that allow the country to succeed, having in mind that this is a transnational challenge and uh, they have to use all instruments of power and influence to be successful. Mm -hmm. Admiral, is it is it fair to categorize, uh, we, we talk about um, for the course, the, the nature of the war and understanding the nature of the war. Is it a fair categorization to say that the nature of the FARC was more um, Marxist and the nature of the strategic challenge now is more about uh, narco traffic? Is that? Mm, uh, uh, yes and no, but uh, the thing is we have to go a little bit in the back because we have in Colombia other insurgencies that were communist, all of them, but with different different approaches. Part, mm. for example, they uh, they they claimed that they were Marxist-Leninist, but actually in in the practice they were very Maoist. Mm. The ELN, for example, which is a st still in Colombia, they are very much like um, the Cuban direction. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but also the other organizations. Mm -hmm. we, at the end of the Cold War, I think that about six groups were integrated to society. President mm -hmm. used to say that the initial social claims and grievances that FARC was claiming did not exist anymore in Colombia. And he gave his reasons, and I think he was very, um, uh, I would say, accurate in his appreciation. So even when we were fighting FARC back in 2006, 10, well, actually everything changes with President Rio in 2002 and lasted until the sign of the agreement between the government and FARC in 2016. Actually, uh, the threat was integral in the sense that narcotraffic was working together with FARC, for example, because the main supply of uh, money for FARC was due to narco-traffic. Mm. Uh, today, the same threats are there with different phase and with different approaches. That's what I was trying to mention a little bit. I cannot, get into, I cannot go into details because of mm -hmm. time, but uh, they are different. The, the, the character of the threats has been changing. Mm. Interesting. And, and for, lastly, Admiral, from, from your perspective, uh, your opinions on, or just general guidance in terms of what, what could be done going, going forward with, the, with those challenges? Well, as I, as I mentioned, I'm not updated on the environment, so mm -hmm. I cannot use Sun Tzu's recommendation of uh, know your enemy, do yourself, your friends too. And know the weather, and then your victory will be safe. Hmm. So, because of that, I cannot suggest, not even suggest, what should be the solution, but I can ask questions. And I think that in Colombia, the country was able to learn to ask the right questions to find the right solutions in 2000, before 2002, and successful until the end of the signing of the agreement with, with FARC. Yeah. So the first question is, I would say, a fundamental one. 
is the civil-military dialogue a two-way and very busy highway? Mm. I would say this is the only way to warrant to guarantee specific of the specific specificity of the strategic direction from the president and the minister of defense. Mm. And it has to be a two-way. It's a conversation. Mm. It's not just a point in orders. Mm. It's a conversation because everybody has to understand exactly what is the meaning for each one of the, those terms. So they are talking about the same things and not different mm. things, which sometimes happen. Mm. Second question would be, is there a concrete strategic duration for dime field, but in our case for the military? Is there a comprehensive grand strategy that considers how to synchronize, coordinate, align, and prioritize activities of all instruments and power with military operations at the political strategic level? Does it have an achievable end state? Mm -hmm. Those are very important questions. And are political strategic objectives achievable and realistic? Do they contribute to the end state? Are the political, strategic, and operational centers of gravity correctly identified? Are there appropriate instruments to measure success? Mm. Are there good risk? an opportunity assessment. This is one of the things that I learned in one of the, in the last CIPMIC that I was attending, because it's not just only the risk, but also the opportunity. Because if you don't use those opportunities that they open and close, if you use that opportunity, identify it correctly, you could be very successful. Mm. Is there a continuous interaction assessment and adaptation. This is something that I learned here in the World College. Mm. And of course, during the execution, continuously, you have to measure the tactical, the operational, and the strategic contributions to the political end state. Mm. So those are questions that I would say are quite helpful to find ways and solutions. Hmm. Outstanding. Thank you, Admiral. Um, any wrap up or final comments, sir? Well, first of all, that being in the World College is a blessing. Being in contact with the professors is a continuous learning experience. And being in contact with the students is looking into the future, making sure that they will be successful that is quite important and relevant. And thank you so much, John. Outstanding, Admiral. I really, we really, all of us really appreciate uh, your time today with us, sir. It's it's uh, it's always uh, interesting and fascinating. Um, thank you for your for your service, both to your country and to uh, and to this one, uh, and your time here. And um, that's all we have time for today. So we will see everybody next time on Profiles and Strategy. Muchas gracias, Admiral. Muchas gracias, John. Yeah. <laughs>